the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and well, powerful spells. She's actually sitting in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast. I'm Hillary. I'm your host today, and I'm joined by Courtney. Hello. And Miss Kanani. Hello. And we have an exciting show. So we recently spoke with Phoenix Coffin-Williams, who is a witch and licensed licensed clinical mental health counselor, who spoke to us about the magic of thought forms. We actually recorded... It was was amazing, right? Mm, It was so good. it we were so we were good. so blissed out after our conversation oh. with him. It was like, thank you for being our guide and our coach and our our I know our everything. Ever you're like, just keep doing whatever you're doing. You're amazing. Um And so we actually recorded this in December, and unfortunately, there was a little bit of a tech glitch with Courtney's audio cuts halfway through the interview. So we just want to make sure that you know that no, she did not storm out of the room. It was the fault of some hungry tech gremlins. Everyone knows that if someone's going to storm out of the room, it's going to be me. It's definitely going to be you. Let's be real. It's going to be me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm much more, I'm not just, I'm not a storm out of the room. I'm like turn to ice kind of person. <laughs> you like just like I, turn into an ice sculpture. I turn into an ice sculpture and I freeze everyone in the room. No, I like when I get angry or something like that, there is I mean, everyone like a, a few times in my life have I thrown tantrums in public, but normally if somebody crosses me, I just become the ice queen. And that's actually people have said is pretty terrifying. Everyone I've ever been with has said that it's when I'm not yelling and I get quiet, yeah. That that's when things are scary. If I'm yelling <laughs> at you, we're probably okay. But if, if I'm not even willing to yell at you, you, your ass is so screwed it's not even funny. Because that's when you're putting a strict nine in the coffee or something like exactly. that. Yeah, I mean, same, same here. People are like, why are you silent? And I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know <laughs> the thoughts I'm and plotting, Because I'm plotting your actual murder. So, Actually, what, you what's know. happening is, is both... Hillary and Kanani are both texting me when they go silent, like, I will kill this person. And I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I'm like, who's down to do a murder? Are you? I am. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we meet. Here's how it's going down. Who's got the fucking shovel? So how has everyone been? I've actually been in a super good mood, which is very strange. Uh, I'm trying to enjoy it. But uh, I, it was funny because earlier I was, I was sending pictures to Hillary of like these vampy outfits and like, hey, what do you think about this one? And I said, hey, where do you get your corsets? Because she always has these beautiful corsets. And she's like, well, this is where I get them, but they're super expensive. And, you know, if you want one that's got real like steel and bone and I'm like, I just want something that squishes up my boobies. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> what she said. And I was like, well, so like... Yeah, the corsets that I have are from two different corsetours in London that are 
incredible. Um, one is called Fairy Gothmothers. They have a line. I mean, they have a they have a, a shop. Do I love that name? I know. Fairy Gothmothers. She even knows there's a word corsetur. Like I didn't even know that was a word. Like, <laughs> and and they so they have like a number of different. Um, makers of corsets and then dark garden corsets, which is like a custom, they do like bespoke and custom corsetry. It's their, their stuff is like to absolutely die for. Um, and I have a few pieces that are just like the, th- it, the thing about it is when you get custom work like that done, it's expensive, but it is made to fit your body exactly. Right. So you're not, you know, it's not like, oh, this fits pretty good, but it like sits at my hips in a weird way or it does this. So, I mean, I lucked out. It's one of the, it's one of the pros of, you know, being a performance artist, you know, and being like having to justify having very expensive costuming. Um, <laughs> so, so I have like a plethora of just the most gorgeous corsets and I feel very lucky. Um, but yeah, we were talking, I was like, Ooh, I actually have a waist cincher that I think might work for Kanani. Um, I don't know that I could wear, I mean, I used to, uh, like when you're doing extreme corseting or like a lot of waist training, it takes time. I mean, it takes, you can't just be like, Oh, I'm taking my waist down 10 inches, 10 and a half inch, you know, like you have to do it kind of strategically. Um, or it's really uncomfortable. I mean, it's, you know, it takes some getting used to. So um, I have one that I haven't worn a cinch that tight in a long time. So I was like, I was like, Kanani, you should definitely try it. It might be like a nice, not too tight fit on you where it literally makes me feel like I'm being split in two. So it would <laughs> be a great way for you to take out all your frustrations on me is you can just put the thing yeah. around me and just squeeze that. until my brain lace that motherfucker can I do right it? up. Can I do it? Cause I, I can really use some release. Yeah. I'm down. You can have one on each side. I'm I'm down oh my God. I know. A few years ago, when I first when Hillary first came out of the broom closet to me and she met up with me at PantheaCon and she showed up with her corset and you know, we've been friends for years, but I hadn't seen you in yeah, a while. We hadn't right. That's the thing, is like we hadn't really because like I lived in London for a long time and then I was in Oakland and you were in New York and like yeah. you know, we would maybe like get together at like the holidays, we maybe have a chance to like grab a beer or something, but like it I had we- a terrible breakup at your house when you were in, L- in London. <laughs> so you came and then um, you were like, is it okay if I change in your room? And would you be willing to help me get into my corset? And I had to teach something. I said, oh, I can't, but my husband can. Like it didn't even occur to me, you know, that to like, oh my to, God, to- I want to make Brian do it. <laughs> but that's like, the look of fear in his eyes. I need this. I need this for my soul. <laughs> but oh my like, God. Then I was like, so someone says, where's your husband? Where's your friend? I'm like, oh, he's putting her into her corset in, in your hotel, in our hotel room. And people were like, Ooh. And I went, no, we don't have that kind of relationship. And yeah, you're also, like, no, no, no. He's just helping. He's just helping. And I said, it's also like ghost in, in most of the outside pagan world. That might seem strange, but one, my husband's a medical worker. He sees all kinds of bodies all the time. And he doesn't blink at anything like nudity at all. Oh my, He's like, yeah, I can make that man blush. I'm down. <laughs> this is what needs to happen. But also he's been in the pagan community for so long. And it, yeah. When you're a performance artist, when you are used to being in costume change, you don't like have any, you have to, you're like changing on the side of the stage. Someone's like taking your, 
giant bodice off and like pulling your opera gown off. You know, I mean, like, so to me, it's like the least it's like, I'm like, oh, wait, what? It's just like, it's, it's like, it's like being like, oh, I hurt my back. I can't tie my shoe. It's like that practical, yeah. you know? It's, it's so, and so they, they both were like out and Brian, my husband was just like, yeah, yeah in the corset and Hillary's like, yeah, he did a good job. It's fine. And people around us were giggling. They're like, you guys are just like so trusting of each other. And it's like, I've known Hillary for a long time. Yeah, dude. I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to like sneak in with your husband. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and also it's like, I'm like, hello. Like, like, Oh, like, do you think I'm really going to take the opportunity to like sneak in on like no. one of my best friends, fucking husbands? Like, well, no, come on. Your outfit's not going to get done. Right. So what the hell? I know. I like, I need you to fucking lace this thing. People. Like all I need, all I need is you to put this goddamn corset on because I, I have two corsets that lace a little more easily. Um, but this custom one that I have, which is like, it's a dream to wear because it's so comfortable. But the thing is, is it's like, it doesn't lace as, um, as easily. Like it's hard to get the right angle to get it to cinch correctly. So like, I need to like hold on to a door frame and you need to pull real fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, I you know? need one that like requires a horse drawn carriage. Like you tie it <laughs> to the back of the carriage and the horses run. <laughs> he was so nice about it too. He was like, do you need to take a break? Are you okay? And I'm like, Go, just do it. Like, <laughs> like hurry like, up, just, Brian. My boobies aren't squishy enough yet. I don't need a break. His medical self is like, okay, I'm worried about her liver, her kidneys. Okay, is she breathing correctly? Do I, you know, I want to make sure that she has room in her rib. Medical, medical, medical. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, this is the least <laughs> traumatic thing that I do to my body. Like, can we just like get it done and then we're gonna like go? <laughs> Oh my god, that's scary. Once Kanani gets her corset, she's never gonna like wear anything but the corset because it's 100%. Like, yes, my boobs, my boobs are now dominating the planet. I'm down. Yeah, it's I'm gonna be all good. about taking the girls for a walk. That's that's what I do. <laughs> I'll be the different one because I don't have giant knockers. I'll just do a Coco Chanel, just like a formless like sack dress, and run around and just be. I'll just be the. You're different gonna be in a one. sack dress. Sack dress. That's like you know that's what they're called. They're kind of like just loose. They don't really have a cut to them. And know. it's like, oh, what is Cor like Hillary's going to wear this and all these feathers and do this. And, you know, Kanani's going to be in this corset and Courtney's just going to wear a sack. I'm going to wear a sack <laughs> dress. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get you a burlap bag and we'll just cut a hole out of it. It's fine. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to black and put glitter on it. It's going to look great. You're, you'll never be allowed in your home again. That's okay. I'm only going to wear it when I'm out anyway. I only wear sweatpants at home anyway, so it's good. Anyway, um, Kanani found a corset. <laughs> I don't, and, and I had, um, I had a terrible premonition come true today. Uh, one of the many weird dreams that I had that I didn't talk about on the podcast because I knew what it meant. Um, I got word that a friend of mine from college passed away. His name was Marshall, and he was awesome. Um, he was a very, very sweet man, and he had, for at least the last few years, had been living in a small town in Washington State, running a theater company and working in children and family services. So, like, generally, genuinely good guy. Um I bring this up one because the last conversation I had with him is he said, Courtney, you are the most woo-woo person that I know. And he's the only person who's ever called me woo-woo and it's not made me angry because I don't like that. I think it's just kind of cheesy when it comes to like it, it really, it really undermines the kind of work that we're trying to do as witches. Sure. But, sure. Yeah. But he, you know, it didn't bother me that he said that I was like, Oh, I know because he, I knew that he meant it in a sweet way. So I'm really sad for him. I'm sad for his widow. Um, he's only like 40, so he's super young. Um, 
for those of you who are like 19, 20 listening to this, 40 is actually super young in the grand scheme of things. But, um, let, okay, so I'm getting a little better with noticing my, like knowing my premonitions in advance because for years um, I've been what they call dreaming true. So I've dreamed of things or had signs that come to me, especially about death or um, natural disasters or terrorist attacks, those kinds of things, things that are really serious. But I've always recognized them in retrospect, like, oh, that's what that dream was about. And this was one of the first times where I was able to pin together what was coming and, and who it might be. So I dreamt about a friend of mine um, that went to high school with Hillary and I, and I dreamt that he came to me, and he's someone who actually passed away two years ago. And, um, you know, he was talking to me, His he was all gray, so, you know, kind of ghost-like. And I knew that I was talking, it wasn't like in my dream he was alive again. I, I knew I was talking to somebody who had passed. And, um, when I woke up, I had this real sense of foreboding that it was a sign I was going to lose someone like him. Um, so somebody who was, you know, young, 40 ish, um, probably male and likely someone from my past. And that's who it was. And, you know, some of the other things that I didn't pick up on that these two had in common is that they were both theater people. Um, we both went to school together in addition to doing theater together, um, you know, they both passed away suddenly. So those are, you know, those were some of the clues that I didn't pick up on, but those are, I'm, I'm feeling because I've been more intentional in, um, tracking dreams and tracking, um, you know, specific and also paying attention to like what the dream, what the dream specifically said before the thing happened that I've been able to say. And I also, I get a sense when a dream, a, a dream to me, I've been able to, to figure out what a dream is, um, just a dream, like being at the enchanted forest and there's a rat infestation, which is clearly something going on with my psyche. And when a dream is a message from the spirit world or it's a premonition. So I've gotten better at figuring that out. But, um, anyway, just giving up, giving up love to Marshall and everybody that was close to him. Um, cause it, really sucks. So my afternoon was spent crying, eating chocolate and living, listening to really sad Tom Waits songs. Oh man, Ree, I'm sorry. Yeah. I feel like that was an appropriate coping mechanism while yeah. Hanami was shopping for corsets. That's totally fair. You know, it's a hard, you know, this is, it's always really hard. It's always really hard to lose people, especially the ones that are like those gems, you know, the like yeah. really, the people that really like hold up community and create such an amazing space for people. I feel like the impact of their loss is so tremendous because it's, you know, it, it, the ripple effect is so large because they've, yeah. they've touched and, and, you know, affected so many people in such a positive way. So exactly I'm so it. sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss and his other loved ones losses. Well, and also yeah. when it's sudden, I think, you know, when they're yeah. young and it's sudden, I think that adds a different element of kind of just sadness and just kind of, you know, depressing. And, you know, it's one thing if someone's lived a long life and, you know, and then they pass, it's, it's different when it's someone who was still young and, and, you know, still had a lot of life left to live. So I think that always kind of makes it a little harder. Yeah, I agree. Indeed. Indeed. I agree. So, uh, Courtney, you have some new moon recommendations for us. Am I correct? Yes. So we have a new moon coming up on Tuesday, January 12th. All right. It is obviously the first new moon of the new year. And because it's a new year, this is a really good new moon um, to do a real deep cleansing of 
yourself, your home, whatever you can, making sure that the old stuff is wrapped up and gone. So clear off your altars, get rid of any offerings from the past year, get rid of old spell stuff that's lingering around, spells that you're no longer working on. So like candle nubs, um, tools that you're not, that you haven't used in the past year that are sitting on your altar. It's time to put them away or consider giving them away. I also strongly recommend washing um, altar cloths if you haven't done so in a while. Dust your statues, your picture frames, any other objects, and um, do a deep, good deep cleaning on those altars, both physically and then, you know, doing a you know a spiritual cleanse on it with a sprinkling of salt water, doing a smoke clearing, those kinds of things. So along those lines, also make sure you're doing cleansings on yourself um, this new moon for the new year. So. A bath that from the hoodoo tradition that Chiron Armand recommends includes a mixture of coffee, like instant coffee, sugar, and sea salt in a bath mixed in warm water. Take a pot of this mixture into your bath or shower and wash it all over you, starting at your head and collecting some of the water at a pot at your feet. So then you'll take the water you collected and take it to the crossroads, a sewer, or just throw it out in the street or out your front or back door. So for other bath suggestions, um, we've recommended his book before. I still cannot recommend it enough. It's called Deliverance, Hoodoo Spells of Uncrossing, um, Healing, and Protection by Kai Armand. Now, the first new moon of a calendar year is a wonderful one for setting intentions for the coming year. So if you listen to our last episode with Teresa Reed, um, as she pointed out, this is a really great year in general to do magic for financial stability. And I would argue this is a good month to start now. So this is a great new moon for casting spells with the intent to manifest these fortunes and blessings over the course of 2021. This particular new moon is especially good if you are hoping to manifest one of the following things, new beginnings, so new jobs, new relationships, new outlooks, etc., keeping things secret, um, general good luck, especially for students, establishing positive routines, uh, glamour spells, making yourself more attractive to others, um, general positivity, especially for like a more positive outlook in yourself, or more creativity. So... Um, uh, something that I would recommend is getting a piece of lodestone. They're not very expensive. They can be found at most witchcraft stores or even ordered online. You can get them at sacred mist shop in some areas. You can even find these in your yard as a rock. They are mostly found at the surface of the earth, or in many cases, they don't require the kind of deep invasive mining practices that many other rocks do. So you can feel a little better about using it than say other stones, which in order to get them, they, there's a lot of environmental damage caused along the way. So lodestone is a naturally magnetized stone. So it attracts what you want it to attract. So if you have it and you're going to work with it, I recommend charging it with what you want, which can be as simple as just whispering it to it, like bring me money, bring me love, bring me a better outlook or making it, you can make it the center of a more elaborate ritual. If that's your practice, if you are looking to draw money or more financial opportunity, carrying this lodestone, this charged lodestone in your purse or your wallet will help draw money to you. Um, if you're looking to draw more positive attention to you or your appearance, so like glamour magic, put it in your makeup or your other, like, you know, your shaving bat, your shaving kit, whatever it is that you use um, to keep your you know, appearance upkeep supplies together. Um, or you can even just carry it in your pocket if you want to attract more luck. 
Um, one thing to keep in mind though, I would recommend that at each new moon, you take it out and remind it of its job. So don't just let it languish. And then like three months later, you find it rolling around in your, you know, your messenger bag and you're like, what was this for again? You need to keep that relationship with it so that not only does it remember what it's for, but it keeps doing that work and keeps bringing things to you. So I would recommend doing this at each new moon, taking it out, reminding it of its job until the spell comes to fruition or until you're ready to move on for something else. Again, this will strengthen the spell as well as continue to orient you with the kind of work you want to do on yourself and the changes you want to make. So there's your first task of 2021. Oh my God, that's such good suggestions. Thank you. I love those. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like highlighting them. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this one for sure. <laughs> Definitely need to do some spring cleaning. I was looking at my altar yesterday. I'm like, oh man, there's a thick layer of dust on that motherfucker. Like it's time. I just ordered some organizing boxes so I can organize my Christmas oh, stuff better instead of just throwing it in the closet in a big pile. Yeah, that's a, I need that too. Because like, I literally, like right now I'm sitting in my office and I'm like, a whole corner of this room is just a pile of boxes of Christmas shit and other random stuff that I need to put in better organized in, in, in a more organized fashion. Okay. So we have some shout outs. Um, okay. So we have arcane Botanica, a brand new business specializing in interior plant decor proprietor. Amanda offers tailored in interior plantscaping for your home or business, including individual plant sales, terrariums, and custom gifts for all price points. Based out of Northeast Massachusetts, Arcane Botanica works with clients to customize kid and pet safe plants for homes, promoting desired energies with specific plant combinations. For more information, follow at Arcane Botanica on Instagram or Facebook, or email them at amanda at arcanebotanica.com. I feel like that's a company you could use because all your oh my plants gosh. are taking over. I love, I love plant companies. And also I really love plant companies that, uh, that know about pet safety because they're, I'm, I'm that like psycho at the grocery store. That's like, excuse me, you're buying lilies. Do you have cats at home? And they're like, what? And I'm like, do you have cats at home? And they're like, no. yeah. And I'm like, you're, they're going to kill your cats. Like they're so toxic. People don't know that stuff. So I really love a good florist or a good plant distributor or company that has that knowledge because it saves lives. Yeah. I'm into it. I would love, I, I can just see myself running into someone like you at the grocery store and I'm like at the grocery store with Courtney and it's like, Courtney, this crazy lady's talking to me. Why is she talking to me? Why is the crazy lady talking to me? Stranger danger. Or I would just scream stranger danger and start running. <laughs> and then I'd be like, and then I'd scream after you and be like, your cats are going to die. Like, you know, I'd be screaming also. <laughs> For those of you listening to this podcast, here's my PSA. Lilies are incredibly toxic to cats. Like so toxic, you should not even have them in your home. Don't handle them and touch your cats. There's not like even the presence of them in your home and the small amounts of pollen that can get around can cause your cats to go into renal failure. So don't do it. Same with poinsettias. Avoid. All right. And Easter. Yeah. Easter lilies. That's a lily. So yeah. Uh, let's see. So 
Courtney, you have uh, some exciting stuff coming up at Catland Books. Is that correct? Yes. I still have two more classes at Catland Books. I am teaching my class on the Morgan on Monday, January 18th, and my class on Hakate on Monday, January 23rd. These are virtual classes taught by Zoom, and they are recorded. So if you can't make the date or the time, um, then you know that you'll, you'll get it later, and you have a whole month to sit and listen to me share what I know about these two goddesses. Um, so links to where you can register for those classes will be in our show notes on our website. You can also go to catlandbooks.com and you can find them there. Freaking awesome. I am, I need to, I want to attend a virtual class. That sounds so fun. Yeah, you should. We actually just released, it's not one of the classes that you have right now, but our new Emilk premium spell kit actually comes with a signed author copy of Bridget History, Mystery and Magic of the Celtic Goddess. I can't remember who wrote it, but that would be uh, me. I wrote it. I oh, wrote the book. You wrote the book. Okay. I wrote the book. Oh, wait, wait. Well, it has wait. Courtney's signature. So wait. wait, was it you that wrote the book? It was me. I wrote the oh, book. Okay. I wasn't sure. You're sure it wasn't me. <laughs> we have such awesome spell kits up right now, y'all. You should definitely go check them out. So we want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Last week, we released some bonus content from our interview with Teresa Reed, in which she talks about what magic to avoid in 2021. Tomorrow, we'll be releasing a deep dive with Phoenix Coffin-Williams about thought forms so you can find yourself loving him as much as we did. Please head over and check it out. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to this and other witchism content. Higher levels get you access to our private Facebook page, quarterly special events, and boxes of goodies, including your very own Screaming Goats. Our next quarterly event is a live Imolk ritual on Sunday, January 31st at 10 a.m. Pacific time, which we'll be holding via Zoom. So if you join us at the $5 level or above, you can join us for that. Other ways to support the show, if you can't do a monthly donation, you can buy us a coffee or buy That Witch Life merchandise at Etsy. Also, consider becoming an episode sponsor. It's a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches. You can also purchase a shout-out. Let people know about your virtual event or just send love to one of your favorite witches. Find out more at our website at thatwitchlife.com. Are you ready for a word from our sponsors? Absolutely. Hell yeah. In November, we had the amazing Don Hunt of Kachina Aurora on the show to talk all about food magic. And since then, we've all been obsessed with Kachina Aurora and their line of magical and delicious products. Seriously, I dressed my holiday dinner with a savory sage oil charged for wisdom and knowledge. And I bought my food-loving in-laws Kachina Aurora gift sets, which include infused olive oils, a garlic-infused olive oil for protection, and a rosemary oregano-infused olive oil charged for peaceful energy. I was delighted when Kanani bought me the same set for my Yule present. Now that I've done buying for other people, I am all about getting a bunch of this for myself because I am I'm <laughs> so excited. Kachina Aurora's oils are all made by hand and they do visualization and meditation over all of them as they're made. So they are infused with not just the flavors, but also the energies of the herbs and spices. And what's super awesome is that Dawn now has a new cookbook available, A Kitchen Witch's Guide to Recipes for Love and Romance. There are just so many good recipes in this book that are both delicious and will also help you focus in on the areas of love you'd like to enhance. I am someone who cooks a lot, so it's a great tool for me to plan meals that complement the magical work I'm doing. For example, she has a kale, chickpea, and quinoa salad designed for both health and opening the heart chakra. But this is a great book for witches who don't cook too. 
You can use it to think about which foods you might want to eat that will support your magical work as she lists the magical properties in many common foods. Whether you're interested in a kitchen witch's guide to recipes for love and romance or any of the other amazing oils or magical food products that Kachina Aurora offers, they have a special rate for our listeners. Go to kachinaaurora.com and enter Witch Life 2021 at checkout to get 10% off. The offer is good all year. Thank you so much to Kachina Aurora for being an episode sponsor. If you've listened to us at all, you know that all three of us are completely obsessed with shiny pretty things, especially me. Shiny pretty things include tattoos and piercings as well as jewelry. 2020 was a total drag, so 2021 is the perfect time to be the best sparkliest version of yourself with some custom tattoo work, killer jewelry, or a new piercing. Adorn Body Art has unique jewelry designs from vendors all over the world, so we were super excited to partner with Adorn as an episode sponsor. Established in 2000, Adorn is a woman-owned tattoo piercing jewelry studio dedicated to offering the best service to their clients and local community with three thriving locations in Southeast Portland, Beaverton, and Vancouver, Washington. Adorn's selection is not only the largest in the Pacific Northwest, but they also carry the highest quality of ornate, ethically sourced natural adornments, which is a big deal for me. From amethyst to rutilated quartz to tiger's eye and citrine, they have jewelry options with stones for every chakra. And you can order online. The thing that separates Adorn from other studios is that they are focused on art and not attitude. Their mission is to help their clients feel like the truest version of themselves and achieve body autonomy. If you're looking to get pierced, Adorn can also assist with custom creating the piece of jewelry of your dreams to be as unique as you. So the possibilities are endless with ongoing education for each piercer who is also certified through the association of professional piercers and state-of-the-art sterilization and sanitation you are always safe and get the very best when you come to adorn adorn operates by appointment only so go to adornbodyart.com where you can also see a sneak peek of the gorgeous jewelry that they carry adorn is just amazing so make sure you check out their incredible jewelry selection or book an appointment today Thank you to Adorn Body Art for being an episode sponsor. Well, we are thrilled to welcome Phoenix Coffin Williams, who is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. He is the founder of his own holistic mental health and coaching company in New York. Trained in Corellian Wicca, Reverend Phoenix focuses on combining occult strategies with empirically supported methods to deliver quality care, counseling, and lasting change. Phoenix is the chief priest of the Temple of Holistic Knowledge, a non-denominational Wiccan temple where the importance of utilizing magical skill to to positively impact communities is emphasized. Phoenix is an acclaimed archpriest of the Corellian nativist tradition. Additionally, Phoenix enjoys various forms of fitness, is a proud foodie, enjoys puns and dad jokes equally as much as sarcasm and sex jokes. His favorite drink is a Long Island iced tea. He misses being able to give literally everyone a hug upon greeting them, and I cannot agree more. <laughs> Welcome oh my to God, the show. He's like- us, why have you not been on this yeah. show for the entire time? First of all, we definitely need your coaching and mental health guidance. <laughs> Second of all, long, real. Island, long Island iced teas and terrible jokes and um, hugs is basically um, our, our witchcraft tradition. So welcome. You're gonna, to you're other than the Long Island iced teas, you're going to have to speak for yourself on that one. Oh my God. I love a Long Island iced tea. Well, don't I, listen to her. She's got bad taste in alcohol. <laughs> no, I said I love Long Islands. It's the oh. no touchy touchy. Oh, okay. Oh, word. Consent is sexy. I will absolutely 
ask first, I swear. The first, I'm going to start with the first question that we ask everyone that comes on this show, which is how did you first know you were a witch or a magical person? Oh, damn. That's crazy. <laughs> we because, just, we dive right in. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird. Like automatically I have to go back several moments uh, and think about like what I was doing at that time and what I was looking for really uh, at that time as a child. I think I was looking for some type of completeness and some type of equity in faith and power like between myself and the forces that I was believing in. Uh, and so like open spirituality and an open search for God was encouraged in my home. Um, although I knew that witchcraft was not endorsed, I did kind of like toe the line with Native American faith with some foundations of European witchcraft and um, some black American contributions to the black Baptist church as some like foundations for breaking away from like normative kind of chain based, shame based, stagnancy based faiths. I just talked hella shit just there for no reason. Um, but like that was kind of what I was trying to leave and witchcraft and magic really offered that in a very complete package that I soon came to realize upon further review and deeper study also offered a paradigm for changing the way that I looked at the world and other people that was actually kind of liberating emotionally and mentally and like all around the board, actually. The reason I love asking this question to people is it's ever it's like everyone's journey. There are similarities, but there are already always so many differences in like how people found witchcraft, like whether it was, you know, a, a moment or it was, you know, sometimes it's a defining moment, sometimes it's a journey. And so I always love hearing people's, you know, stories of, of how they got there because they're so very different. Um, so I have a question. Can you help our listeners understand what what are thought forms? What's a thought form? Yeah, so that's such a good question. And to start off, I want to maybe give a little bit of background information on the seven planes of existence. Uh, so we have our physical, our emotional, our mental, our astral, our solar egoic, our monadic, and our divine. And so thought forms are emanations or manifestations that perhaps originate on the mental plane. So they originate in that plane and what do they do once they've originated there? Like what, what, what's the next step? At its most basic level, a thought form is literally, well, you can tell when a thought form is present or has been conceived because you'll hear some words or phrases, right? Like I have an idea. Or I've been thinking that is an example of a thought form or how you can tell when a thought form has been like conceived or like the very first few stages of thought form existence have been like met. Um, so from that, or actually, you know what? It might be a super cool idea to give examples of some like famous thought forms. Okay. Yeah. That would be amazing. Murphy's law. Uh -huh. The Boogeyman, 
Oh, okay. The phrase, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. Slender Man and the Moth Man and fucking taxes. Yeah, so it's like it's like the belief in something makes it actually a conscious form is something that I've always understand with thought forms. And I is that uh-huh. okay. So I've been so, I've been in the right direction this whole time. <laughs> yeah. So at its most basic level, a thought form is simply an idea. But in moving beyond that, it's an idea that has so much time, energy, and focus packed into it that the idea itself appears to come alive directing events, energies, and intentions automatically in accordance with the principles of that idea. Mm, So in the example of Murphy's Law, when you start to account for maybe your wedding or your next birthday party because you believe that everything that goes wrong will, you are now participating in a cycle with a thought form. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense to me. And is like, I thank you for giving those examples because I think that really like helped solidify also what I thought I understood about thought forms. But having those examples is was a really practical way for my brain to go, okay, okay, okay. I see it and I get it. And it makes makes more sense. I actually have a personal example of this, which was really I, I would love to hear Phoenix's kind of you know vibe on this, but We've talked about very early on when I really dove into my witchcraft and I had bought a house from someone who uh, they were an unwilling participant in the selling of the house, but uh, she was a paranoid schizophrenic and the husband had to use power of attorney to sell the house because he couldn't afford the mortgage and her medication. And she later... Uh, passed on not long after we bought the house and her spirit was there, but separate from her spirit. When we lived in that house, I had all kinds of, there was so much activity in that house. It was crazy, but I had a routine and every day I came home from work and I would walk, I would leave. First of all, this is, this is what I did every day. I came home. I walked through the front door. I left the front door open Why? Because someone was in the house and I was going to catch them and I had to be able to run out my front door so I didn't want to have to open it. Then I would walk into my kitchen and I would grab a knife. I grabbed the biggest knife out of the knife block and I went through every room of my house and I would would throw open the door, I would turn on the light, I would look under everything, open all the closets, leave the light on because that signaled to me, okay, I've checked this room. I did that in every single room. And then once I'd done that, I would take the knife, put it back in the kitchen, walk, shut the front door, sit down, watch TV. I did this without thought. This was literally my routine when I entered the house. And I mentioned it to someone And I realized that I was picking up her thoughts and energy that she had, and her paranoia that she had left in the house that was embedded inside the house, that someone was coming to get her and that she was in danger while she was there. And it was just a matter of time. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. And it was completely unconscious on my part. I just, I, I, I just absorbed all of that. And like I said, this went on for, oh, at least a year before I just casually mentioned it to someone. And then it was the look on their face that made me realize, wait, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So interestingly enough, what you are discussing could like, if we were going to try to triage this and like diagnose the experience and the behavior utilizing like thought forms, I would want to take a look at the interaction between you and the astral and you and your own thoughts, because you said that there was like a spirit involved. So now we got to go up one level above thoughts. Um, and so I want to, I like, I would want to know, like if we were in session, what kind of work do you do in the astral? And like, how much time do you spend listening to what happens there? Because if you spend time listening to a paranoid schizophrenic astral, then yep, you will manifest those behaviors very, very, very fast on autopilot. Mm, yep. And that was my thought was that she had just, she had so ingrained that energy in the house that I just, I, I absorbed it without any, you know, knowing of it. It just, I picked right up on that. Like it was real and true. And jumping in on that and, and, and going off of what Phoenix said, I remember where you were spiritually at that time. And you were in your early 20s. And sorry to, to pull back the wool, you'd been through some very kind of harrowing harrowing um, living situations where your living situation wasn't always stable. Uh, right. And then all of a sudden you got into a stable and that your whole goal was you wanted to be a wife and a mother and you were all about the house and home. So it makes sense to me is what, what Phoenix says, what was going on with you astrally was there was a lot about house and home and protection and safety. And so it makes perfect sense that that is exactly where you, you connected. Yep. Yep. So achievement level unlocked. <laughs> It's super important to talk about how automatically and unconsciously we go about creating thought forms that kind of keep us in safe mode. Mm, Interesting. So very, very, like, very simply put, anytime you've ever said or thought, I have an idea, or how about I, or what if, you have given thought or you've given like like an initial form to a thought form so that's a verbal signal that's a cognitive signal um but consider things like phobias or issues like depression and what kind of thoughts are generated based on that Mm. Or if you consider the thoughts that are generated based on low self-esteem or on narcissism or on, I don't know, being determined to maintain a cycle of abuse or a determination to remove yourself from a cycle of abuse. Thoughts in general are the first way to initiate manifestation from that plane of existence downward. Mm. Mm. 
So issues with thinking, like flawed thinking, paranoid thinking, unrealistic thinking, can get us locked in the cycles that kind of keep us in stagnancy. However, thinking that is based on resiliency, on survival, on abundance, thinking that is pulled from examples that we get from our goddesses, that kind of thinking can initiate cycles that move us towards meeting our goals, mm-hmm. having progress, financial freedom. I'm sure all three of you can probably remember the thought process alone that led to your podcast becoming a thing. I am putting, I have an idea that someone is going to give me eight digits for my novel (laughs) and I'm letting it come to me. There we go. I I did it. You're like, I did it. Yeah. Stage one, phase one. I have an idea. I have an idea. I love it. So now, and so I have a pet thesis that if you want something to manifest for yourself fully and completely and most sustainably, you want it to touch every plane of existence, right? You want it to go through divine monadic, solar, astral, mental, emotional, physical, and which is we, for whatever reason or another, just dance in and out of the astral plane, pulling stuff from there. And like, that's why it really feels like we have a leg up when folks just kind of like stay here on the I think I can place, but we're mm-hmm. like, eh, spiritual material, it's ours. Boom. However, should you decide that you want to travel up to the solar egoic and pull some substance or pathwork higher still, the stuff that you gain from those pathworkings allows you to manifest more fully and more sustainably. However, it does take longer. Intentionally from the thought place, though. That is powerful by itself because we've already talked about how a thought alone can manifest a pattern of behaviors that lasts a lifetime. Right. Because you've like put that, that's like the first brick you laid down. It's like, there mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And then everything else is built off of that mm-hmm. thing that you put down. That makes total sense. And I think that what you're, what you're also pointing out though is, is different than, um, the kind of magical thinking, which is the belief that you can think your way into, into difference. Like you can think, you can think control over circumstances that are outside of your control. Like you can think your way into the weather or you can think your way into, Oh, climate change is going to be fine. If I just keep thinking positively. Whereas what I hear you saying, Phoenix is that you're like, okay, you start with that, but that's not where you stay. You also have to combine with, um, the series of actions as well as intentions and commit on all full on, on full levels for your part in it. If that mm, makes sense. Sure. Well, you're sitting here is so profound. I'm trying to, trying to digest it. I know. I'm like, I know likewise. Not. You're like, uh, what? I'm like, my, my words are like not coming. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, my brain is like, Whoa, this is amazing. Oh, thank you. So yes, the thought is the initial spark for the fuse. Absolutely. And of course, the initial spark is a source of energy. And of course, which is know exactly what to do with energy. 
Um, so translating it into that direction, like in that way, yes, like a thought is a source of energy that we can use to shape and manipulate and manifest the reality. But just like with the other sources of energy, dot, 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 there's other things that have to happen. Mm -hmm. I also think it's important. One of the things you touched on that I think is really important for people to understand is, you know, part of that time when I lived in that house, um, I had a lot of issues and things that I was dealing with and I had, uh, a lot of depression. And at the time I was, I was trying to get pregnant with my children that I knew would be coming and I was unable. And I, I had very, severe depression on top of the fact that I had her energy that I had absorbed and all these other things. And I don't know, perhaps Phoenix could better explain it. I don't know how to explain it better than my feelings and my depression manifested itself into a creature that used to watch me shower and it would only meet me in the shower. And I assumed at the time it was because that's one of the times you feel the most vulnerable, right? You know, you're alone, you're naked, you're, you are very vulnerable and it would watch me. And it was, and I don't know how I I knew what it was, but it was literally, it was just a tall, slender figure, faceless, just black figure, shadowy figure. And it, it was somehow, it was my depression and my sadness and, and, and darkness that was so deep that it had actually created in itself its own entity. All right. So if I'm going to keep it 100% real with you, I'm going to say that that happened to you because in those moments you were not avoiding how serious your feelings of depression were. So your higher self, your brain, your mind, your spirit guides were literally like, look at it, do something about it. You can't not see this. You are showering. All the lights are on. That is not always there. Powerful thought. That you makes a lot of sense. That. that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that another, another thing that it, that was very opening for me in regards to learning and hearing about other people's depressions, because I feel like, it's interesting you say that because now when I hear about it from others, I actually feel like I get a mental image. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it allows me a different level of, of empathy and understanding because I, to me, it has a very physical, like outside of themselves, physical component to their feelings. Mm-hmm. And so in a situation that is, your spiritual reaction to a spirit that passed, right? That represents that kind of top-down interaction between astral and mental. The one with depression represents a bottom-up. 
So the emotional plane can be said to be a more primal plane. It's closer to the physical plane. And so we can recognize emotionality a lot quicker. And sometimes we can say that it's easier for us to act from our feelings than it is for us to act from our thoughts. So if you want to talk about an interaction between the emotional plane and the mental plane and how that creates thought forms, you can talk about how maybe you felt that shadow creature that used to watch you in the shower. Maybe you felt its presence around you a lot longer than before you even started seeing it. Interesting. Phoenix, I have a question for you. So... At what point, so, you know, in your journey as a witch, you know, at what point did you, did you realize that thought forms could be something that you could integrate in your, into your magic in a way that would help you manifest the, you know, what you were reaching towards or trying to manifest? At what point did you realize that that was, that was something that you would, um, that you would would be part of your practice, part of your practice as a witch. Oh, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> we like embarrassing on this show. Like, oh, good. Do I'm, do like, I'm like, oh, so sweet. Someone else is going to embarrass themselves other than us. Fantastic. <laughs> Junior year of high school, I was on the cross country team and I was not at all a good runner. But I did it because I wanted to get the special cape for graduation that was intellect and like sports. I love it. So like I figured I could choke down cross country for the sake of like that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> However, I could not ever like really come in something other than last. So like I like I wasn't always finishing like dead last, but I was finishing like the last on my team. Like very frequently there weren't very many people behind me. And I was like, yo, I don't like this at all. So I just said to my friend, I think I'm gonna do better in the next race. And he was like, Well, I want you to do better in the next race, and I think we should practice on Saturday. And I think you should not eat a calzone before you run the next race. <laughs> okay. That's just, like, that's just some BS. I can't even. All right. All right. Fine. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I think if I take cross country a little bit more seriously, I might have better results. So I did take his advice but I did also enchant my sneakers on a mercury altar so that I could run a little bit faster than what I usually have been doing. And so I think that those two moments together were the catalyst for, wait, I thought that there was something that I wanted more of. And that was what even made me decide to want to do a spell. And so that right there is the powder keg for successful magic. Mm-hmm. Mm Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a, that is a really funny story. <laughs> you're like, you're like, okay, I mean, I'm really tired of coming in last, but I want this goddamn cape. So <laughs> I need to figure this out. I love that you were like, this is how I'm, I'm going to enchant these sneakers. I love that. I mean, it's like a, it's just a really example, of like a really practical, you're like, 
yeah, I want to run faster. I want this cape. I just, here, I'm going to help myself do that. I'm tired of losing. I'm going to do For it. For a badass cape, there are a lot of things I would do. You know, maybe not avoid the calzone, but yeah, for serious. <laughs> Same. I fucking love a cape. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, and it, it did happen for me. I got the cape. And, yes, you know, my is not impressive. That's not, like, I'm not ever going to revisit that part of my life and be like, look at what an achiever I was. <laughs> However, like, there was something more that I wanted. And I got that because of that moment. Yeah. You're like, I got the cape. I don't care that I was not the fastest runner, but I got the motherfucking cape. So, <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. So if, if, a, if, if one of our listeners or me or a witch wants to create a thought form, start a thought form to help them manifest something that they are hoping for or wanting, what, what, are, what do they need? Like, what are, the, what are the things they need? I mean, obviously it starts in your mind with the thought, but are there other things they need to help progress that into manifestation? Yep, certainly. Cool. Um, ritually speaking, you definitely want to make sure you have your building blocks of creation. So you want your elemental representations and your elemental energies. Um, because you don't want the strength and potency of your intentional thought form tied to your emotions or your thoughts or your feelings. So you want to make sure you give this thing something to fuel it other than you. Um, so this can be your candles. These can be your stones. These can be your powders and herbs, all that. You want to have that. Um, but when it comes to the thought or the idea itself, you want to make sure you have this idea in its most pure, most complete and most authentic form. So this does mean doing the shadow work to make sure that you understand the shadow component that your thought form could represent if you're not true to yourself about what you're asking for here. Out of curiosity, because I'm sure our listeners would want to know this too, but if you, you know, what could happen, what could go wrong if you don't do that, that work? Mm -hmm. So if you put some energy into a thought that's not clear or very authentic, what can start to happen is you can start to recognize your life or the universe sending to you things that resemble what you're looking for, but doesn't quite necessarily hit it on the head the way you want. Mm. So asking for a marriage instead of asking for a lifelong relationship that's stable and healthy is an example of something that could manifest and not be super great. Right. Like you have this thing, but it's not you, you, you oversimplified it. You went, yeah, I want a marriage. You didn't say whether you wanted it to be a healthy marriage or a stable marriage or a positive, you know, addition to your life. You just said, I want to get married. A lot of the fun in manifesting a thought form intentionally is like the quote unquote foreplay with it, right? Like the spending time daydreaming exactly what it would be like for this idea that you just had or this thought that you just had for it to actually be yours and like let yourself fall in love with actually having it is an essential part of the process. And it's a part of further clarifying how this will manifest because daydreaming, fantasizing, mulling it over 
it allows you to take a look at this thought, this idea from a variety of different contexts and allows you to really kind of take a look at whether or not this thing will function in a way that you think it will in a variety of different ways. Is your shiny new car great from getting you to point A to point B every single day for five years? Or do you have to have a car that meets X, Y, and Z so that it does exactly what you need it to do? Right. That's the difference between saying, I have an idea for a business and I have an idea for a hardware store. Right. Because one is descri- one is very clear. I want this. It's clear. You know what that is. One is like a business that could be anything. <laughs> could be literally anything. So if you think of people, you know, practicing, like how do you feel that, I mean, we have a lot of people that are in different, a lot of listeners that are in different parts of, you know, of their journey into witchcraft. Like some of them are very new. Some of them are seasoned and have been doing it forever. But for those that haven't, you know, utilized thought forms as a part of of manifestation in their practice, do you is like how do you think they uh, that the use of thought forms can enhance the practice that exists? Like, what's the best way to integrate that into what you have already? Vision board. Okay. Um, so absolutely like long version of that answer vision board is definitely a quick way to turn what you're thinking about manifesting in your head or in your mind's eye into something that you are physically looking at with your physical eye and immediately your thought has gone from something that was only mental substance to something that has at least shallow substance on the physical world right I saw, I mean, I saw in uh, one of your videos, you drawing like a, you started out with a, it was in the Gollum thought form video and you were like drawing the manifestation of your thought form. And I was like, that's fascinating because of course, like, I think a lot, a lot of times we think stuff, but we don't, I have found that like, you know, uh, putting together a storyboard or putting together like a collage of what I'm trying to manifest has been really powerful for me because again, it's like a visual representation of what is in my head. And actually when I was putting that together, I found, um, a, I found that it, like I actually unpacked some of my thoughts in doing so because when I was looking for, I actually did it by a collage, but when I was looking for imagery or things that were, you know, to put on this board, on this, you know, kind of collage or board in which I, in which I was trying to describe what I was trying to manifest, I actually like unpacked a lot of my thoughts because I was like, well, what does this image mean? Like, what does it mean in regards to the thing I'm trying to manifest? And it actually, I felt helped me a lot in, in, in kind of breaking down and making sure that I was really being thoughtful in what I was putting on there, which helped me sort through the thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so Additionally, for the purpose of that video, I was working for myself and a bunch of other members of my tradition that was that were also going to be traveling internationally. So I had to make sure that they were seeing exactly what I was seeing so that they could form an appropriate link between the golem or the thought form that I was creating. Because if I didn't give them an image that meant that they could use whatever image they wanted to create a thought form. And those would not be checked or tethered to the power that I was putting them on. Right. Okay. 
So that was part of the reason for doing that. And then also adding this image for myself gave me something to literally put my finger on. It gave me something to visualize on. It gave me something to charge. It gave me something to carry. And it gave me something also to show the people that I was traveling with. Like, hey, just in case y'all forgot, look what I got with us. Yeah, I love that. Well, I mean, I think, again, it's like that, it's that it becomes tangible in a different way. You've taken it from your brain and you've put it into something that is physical because it's an object that you're holding, but it's also visual so that it can inspire other people in in the, in seeing it. But also, even if it's just for yourself, bring back... I mean, when I look at that, I put this collage up on my altar of all the things that I wanted to manifest, like of all the, like the breakdown of what I was trying to manifest. And when, every time I looked at it, I like my thoughts went back to it rather than I had a thought, I did a thing and then I walked away from it and it was, that was it. You know, it was like, it was right there in my face, staring in my face, every staring me in the face every time I went to my altar. Mm. Yes. And I think that that was super powerful because what it created was like, again, a constant room. I mean, I'm a big fan of like, of whether it, whether it's a magical thing or a practical thing or both, often both, you know, it's uh is, you know, like if I want to integrate a practice or, or something or manifest something, or I want to, you know, anything change a pattern in myself or a pattern in what I'm doing, having reminders of things, whether it's like a post-it note, like, you know, to remind myself of something that I, I want to bring in each day, whether it's a collage, like those things for me are really powerful because my brain goes a thousand miles an hour and it like goes all over the place every time it sees a shiny thing. So it's like that kind of uh, visual reminder of kind of bringing me back to the focus that I want is so, is so helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a question. So is there ever a time Phoenix when you've seen a thought form like reach its expiration date? Is there a point when a thought form needs to be concluded or do you believe that they just kind of expire on their own? Yeah. So thought forms are, they can be very perpetual. Um, So unintentional thought forms, like the ones that spring forward from low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, and phobias, right? Those can be broken by learning to become not afraid of any consequence you think the thought represents. Right. So in the case of spiders, that thought represents something like very real and powerful for people, and they behave like the spiders in the room when they think about it. You can you can expire that thought and that process by learning to become unafraid of what the thought represents. Mm-hmm. When it comes to intentional thought forms, like the ones that witches will conjure to impact a community, to you know help with state travel, to help a friend maybe quit smoking, right? Like those will have to put a limitation on. Mm-hmm. Okay. What would what would happen if? I mean, like, how could that backfire if if you didn't? So if you set a thought form in motion and you don't put any limitations on it, at best, it'll just keep doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that. At worst, it can do that almost compulsively. So if you think about something that happens compulsively, specifically to the detriment 
right? Like, so um, a machine that continues to run even though there's no oil and it starts to spark and flame, right? right? Like, that's not good. Um, or someone who compulsively washes their hands, like that skin starts to wear off. And so a thought that has been born, powered, and turned on to function automatically, continuing to do that can be a mess in of, like, as a product of its automatic function. So an automatically functioning thought that is firing while you are driving could lead to some dangerous behavior. An automatic thought that's functioning while you are nursing a child could be problematic. An automatic thought that's running while you're talking to your great grandma could also have some consequences if you don't put a check on how this thought brings you information, how this thought empowers you, how this thought form reminds you of what it is you're going to be doing or what you're looking for. Mm. So, uh, example, an automatic thought that reminds you that you want to speak up at work more frequently. If you don't put on the exception, except when the director is in the room and they are talking about something that I hate with my whole life. Autopilot stand up for yourself at work might have you insulting something that like your boss's boss dislikes. Might have you blurt something out that you seriously regret. <laughs> uh-huh. And how do you put a time cap? I mean, like what like what's a good way? Do you say that in the manifestation process? Do you say is it insane Intel X scenario? Do you put like a, a, like an actual time for two months? Yeah. So in the video, I put the expiration date for when the last traveling Corellian member crossed their threshold home from that trip. Mm -hmm. That means all of us would remain protected wherever we were from whatever was, you know, sent at us negatively until the last person got home. Some other thing that you can, and you can like add that in your spell um, or in your prayer or in your incantation or in your chant. Um, one of the things you can do is you can just kind of with your intentions decide once X, Y, and Z conditions are met, this will die automatically. And mm -hmm. what happens with the energy that it amassed while it was working? What happens? Um, because, you know, one of the things that you want to do if you are working with a golem for a long time, say you are evoking a thought form to protect your very long-standing temple, right? Like a thought guardian, uh, a gargoyle maybe. Um, if you wanted to empower one of those, well, then you and your group would continue to make offerings to that to re-empower it on a regular basis and kind of being like, well, we're going to make sure we do this every single year because if we go a single year and a day, then it starts to lose power and we lose protection. But we don't put this thing on autopilot because we want to make sure that it's linked to us, our well-being, and like minor mischief or other kind of irrelevant harm doesn't trigger it. Right. Yeah. Because, right. So it's not like exactly. It doesn't trigger the negative effect of. Yeah. That makes. That makes sense. Um, so, and then like on a practical level, it's kind of like also keeping a real close track on how your biases show up in your life. That way you can make sure you don't work from them. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> Where you're like, oh, wait a minute. I mean, it's why, it's why I think it goes back to that part of why it's so important to do the shadow work on, on what you're asking for, because 
you need to understand where that, where that's coming from. Like, is it, is that coming from a stable place? Is that coming from a healthy place? Is this, you know, because there's lots of things that our minds will tell us we want that aren't really good for us <laughs> like yeah. all the, all the yeah. time, you know? So, so, uh, so Phoenix, we have a listener question. We often, uh, we get, we get people writing in for questions and we love it when our guests who are often more knowledgeable than ourselves, uh, can weigh in on this. So this listener question, this person says, Hey ladies, love your podcast. I have a question for you. My dad was recently diagnosed with bladder cancer. Is there any God or goddess that could, that I could dedicate my altar to any spell to promote healing? I know that my craft can't cure his cancer, but I'm wondering if there is a way to help promote his healing from a distance, especially since I'm a closet witch when it comes to my family. Even if you, uh, even if you are unable to respond to my question, you guys are amazing. Your podcast helps me get through the days, my days on the road. And I do a lot of driving for work. Well, first of all, listener, thank you so much for being such a supporter and for listening us. We're so listening to us. We're so glad that you like that. But Phoenix, do you have any insight for this person? Is there a god or a goddess or any other approach that you might recommend um, in helping them kind of support their their dad through his cancer journey from afar uh, without you know without saying it outright as they are are not open with their family? Yeah, yeah. Um, so first and foremost, I'm super grateful that this person recognizes that faith is absolutely an legitimate place to turn to when it comes to addressing issues like this. So even though, you know, they said, okay, our faith, our magic, our spells might not be able to cure cancer. However, our faith is super good for a lot of other things that absolutely do promote the healing process and do kind of set the dominoes at play for promoting healing in an ongoing level. So yes, absolutely. Let's talk about cancer and healing. Fuck cancer bad. Yeah, fuck it. So... Altar, absolutely. Dedicate an entire altar specifically to your relationship to your dad and your relationship to your dad's cancer. Um, er, cancer, very interesting. Festering and growing cells that just keep growing and growing and growing and won't stop. And so I cannot off the top of my head think about a God that can address that completely. However, I have been completely comfortable and confident and divination has also guided me in the direction of gods that cut. So if a God is going to cut back some overgrowth, if a harvesting God is going to cut away some weeds that are preventing healthier things from growing, Mm -hmm. um, like God is a very physical, right? Like for us, which is, um, I know like specific theologies get touchy, but from like my travels, for the most part, God is the physical. And so thinking about using a God and a God who cuts, you know, to work on this. And as far as like inspiring ideas or ways of thinking about treatment that affect him physically. So maybe you might say, Hey, is there anything that you might want to take a look at in the cutting realm? If dad is deciding that he's going to go to surgery, the blessing of that God might be in your personal meditation while you hold your dad in compassion at that altar. Mm, That's such a good suggestion. 
And so from the place of thought forms, this could be specifically implanting ideas of motivation to continue to go to treatment on tough days Mm. or motivation to have a healthy diet that maintains appropriate internal balance while you undergo treatment. This might also be charging some uh, teddy bears up and sending them to people so that they explode little bits of joy when they see them on their dad's behalf, especially if dad can get cranky, right? And everyone knows, okay, like cancer really fucking sucks. We're not going to like be mad at dad, but you know, it was super nice to like have this joy encoded in this little thank you, Graham. Uh, There are tons of things magically that we can do, not just for dad, but for the community supporting dad. And that is one of the things that I think is important for thought forms as well is because we can all catch the same thought form, so to speak, and use it to make miracles happen on each other's behalves. That's spot on. I love the idea of that because that's the first time that it it ever occurred to me, like, you know, she doesn't, they don't say, but perhaps, you know, dad lives with mom, right? Well, this time would also be incredibly trying for mom, right? So sending mom energy to help her be okay as she is now imparting her energy to help dad be okay. Like instead of focusing all of the energy on dad, as you said, you can also give that energy, spread that energy around to the people helping dad because that also will ultimately help dad. I think that's that's a phenomenal suggestion. And so on the shadow side, I will say this. If you are aware of any particular thoughts that you are guilty about right now, you have a great moment to not take dad for granted and you can squash and neutralize those and put on your big witch britches and kind of get that out of the way because uncertainty is still at play with the big C cancer. I'm just, I, it's funny because I've, I feel like in my life I've had so many experiences with thought forms and with the, you know, understanding the concepts of them. I don't know that I've ever actually thought of using them to necessarily manifest something intentionally as silly as that sounds now I think saying it out loud it's not before this it was always just something that kind of happened and came about and so my mind is kind of like blown at this whole concept of well you know how to do this you know what this is why don't you do these things intentionally to help with your manifestations Yes, flying monkeys are platforms. Yes. Well, Phoenix, it's just been such a pleasure having you on the show. And, you know, thank you so much. I feel like everything, you, all of this insight is so helpful to us. And I'm sure our listeners will be equally, will find it equally helpful. Um, but how can people find you? Well, you can find me on Facebook. It's Phoenix Coffin Williams. Um, there are literally fireworks in my profile picture. Love it. <laughs> That one's me. Um, you can, uh, what's my email address? Uh, reverend.phoenix1 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. And then if anyone wants to learn specifically how to utilize our magical techniques for like coaching and spiritual counseling and like how to apply them for like the regular issues that we all kind of go through. Right. So if you're kind of thinking about yourself as 
which as community worker or which as someone who helps get someone the services that they need or which is someone who is a provider, right? So like people come to me and like their insurance pays me to do the stuff that I just talked to you about. So if this is something that you are here for and you want to incorporate it into your tarot card readings or if you want to incorporate it into the work that you do with your groups, you can learn through the blue door. And so you can contact me through email or through Facebook and I can walk you through how you utilize this and how you go through the curriculum that I built for this. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Please also consider leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch at our Etsy store. For bonus content, become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcripts, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit, and we'll talk to you later. So what would it be? Uh, we have our normal spell kit, and we have a Emilk Premium spell kit that includes a signed copy of Bridget History Mystery. Oh, where'd it go? <laughs> she Damn can't it. even remember the book title. <laughs> it's okay. Spring that's what happens Mystery. when you don't read your best friend's book. I know, but it's right next to me. Have to reach for it. I don't want to. It's oh my god! Long. Oh my god! What are you doing, Murdoch Mysteries? What the hell is happening right now? What the hell is happening right now? That's a real good question.